She was the first to know the Son of God that she bore was the Holy One because of what Gabriel had said. And so she says here in her song, Holy is His Name. Her experience of conception, the experience of life within her, reacquainted her with the holiness of God, even as the experience of new life within us does the same. This weekend on the Songtime broadcast, as we continue our Advent series, we're looking at the Gospel of Luke. And Kent Hughes unpacks for us the story of the Magnificent, the Song of Mary, as she expresses spontaneously from her heart the joy of having the Savior in her womb. Stay tuned for that message, but first, we'll talk about how to convey the gospel to young minds with an excellent new author, Steph Williams. The many voices come together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. One of the things that I have been incredibly encouraged of as of late is the concerted effort that many Christian publishers have made to write books and to design books that are targeted towards children. The reality is, if you walk into a public library and look around, you will see that the world is targeting young minds, and not just their minds, but their hearts and their souls, and many times with messages that are in direct violation with the Word of God. Well, our author today is Steph Williams, and she's written a book, really a series of books designed and directed towards children. The book that we're going to be talking about today is called The Christmas Surprise, in which she tells the gospel story, the true meaning of Christmas that is designed to read to your children at night and to keep reading as they learn the story of Christmas and capture the real heart of what we're celebrating during this season. Uh, Steph, I think that a lot of parents are really concerned now and want to provide for their children a solid foundation, but it's often an overlooked uh, demographic. We have a lot of great books that we, we even talk about here on the broadcast and we make available to our listeners. This has to be the shortest book that I've ever interviewed for, but one that I think is crucial for families who want to be very conscientious about how we pass our faith down to young minds. Yeah, definitely. And from a young age as well, I think, you know, you can be reading to your kids and think, well, they're too young to understand, but actually you don't want to be not teaching them about God for a few years. <laughs> you know, that's an important time of their lives to start teaching them things about him. And it can make a real impact. I've had a lot of stories from different children who've really loved the books and want to read them over and over again. And even from children going through really difficult circumstances with health and other things who even at a, an age as young as two and a half three have been able to take in something of the message and been able to see who Jesus is and how he's the one they need to trust in you know even from such a young age so yeah I think it is definitely definitely worth it and um just making the books um I mean, sometimes we don't really prioritize kind of storytelling or artwork and things, but actually, mm -hmm. if you look in the Bible, you know, there is a lot of that in there, in the way that God has communicated with us through the prophets, through Jesus. He often used story. He didn't, you know, he could have walked around with a placard that summarized the gospel in two sentences, but he didn't do that. He used different stories and things to try and help people understand. So I think it's right to value um, communicating in a good way, a way that engages children and 
and that will have an impact on them. And of course, the artistry in this book is beautiful. I'm not sure who's behind that, you or someone else, but it, it is it is beautiful and very attractive. Yes, I um, I illustrated and designed the books. Yeah. So yeah, it was quite nice to be able to do both <laughs> because you can really kind of think about how it works as a whole, I suppose. Hmm. Now, in the context of putting a, a children's book together, you want to communicate more than just, as you mentioned, just the details and the facts and get to the very factual basis. You want to tell the heart of the story. Um, that's obviously really complex when you have to get it in just a few words on a few pages. So tell us a little bit about the process and why that was so important for you. Yeah, I think um, it did feel a bit like Bible translation, really, because when you're, although it sounds not what you'd expect, maybe, you kind of almost have to put more work into translating it simpler because you're changing the words more. So with each of the books, I did have to kind of study the passage and even sometimes look at what the original Greek words were saying and what they meant to be able to try and stick as closely as I could to the Bible passage, but write it in words that children would understand what it was saying. So, yeah, it was really important to me to try and make the books follow the Bible passages as closely as possible, because I just thought as an adult and as a parent, um, or maybe would be the same for you if you're not a parent, but you're in children's ministry, you know, you kind of want to actually give them what the Bible says. You know, you don't often that you can have books sometimes which make up a whole load of background and things, but really you're wanting to communicate what those verses in the passage said. So I tried to stick as closely as I could, but it did mean using di quite a few different words because to try and make that word understandable to, to children or the sentence kind of in a way that children would actually understand sometimes also the meaning behind it and the significance behind it in the Bible, as well as just the bare sentence that was there. We've been talking with Steph Williams, a children's author and uh, an amazing new book that she's just put together for this season called The Christmas Surprise. I, I know that there were many doubters when I said that I have a book designed for everyone on your shopping list, but for those naysayers who thought I couldn't do it, I delivered because these books, all of the books that we have available in our office, are great resources for everyone in your life, Christian and non-Christian alike. We actually have a great uh, list of some apologetic books, as well as some books that would be ideal for those who are questioning the faith. But now, add to that list books designed for little children. I know I love to read books to my nieces and nephews, and even now that they're getting older and they can read their own books, um, my littlest niece still likes to have me uh, read books to her. Uh, it's a great joy, and why not have one that is not only beautiful and well-written, but also conveys the truth of the gospel? That's what we're here to do, and that's our whole hope in our ministry is to convey the gospel to everyone, and this is an excellent resource. If you'd like to find out about Steph Williams in this book, The Christmas Surprise, or any other book that we have available on our bookshelves, give us a call, 508-362-7070. Well, today we are continuing in our Advent series, and this weekend, looking at the story of the Magnificat. This is the Song of Mary, as she spontaneously expresses the joy in her heart as the realization that she is going to give birth to the Savior of the world. In this message from Kent Hughes, we continue to unpack Luke chapter 1 in this Christmas narrative 
as we discover the unfolding of the riches of the glory and the, the mesmerizing story of our salvation. Here is Kent Hewn. Mary begins her song by giving unforgettable expression to what's inside. As she describes, and may I say joyously, describes what is going on inside of her and what she thinks. This is a song of joy which will eventuate in joy to the world. The opening words, my soul praises the Lord, or perhaps you have my soul glorifies the Lord, are even more expressive of what's going on inside of her when they are rendered literally. My soul magnifies the Lord. That is the idea. Enlarges the Lord. Now, you can't make God any bigger. It's impossible to make an omniscient, ever-present God who created everything bigger. But you can make God bigger in your soul. Uh, Loving God is more important than the knowledge of God. But if a man loves God knowing little about him, how much more will he love God when he knows more about him? And she has learned more about God. Not only that, she is passionately giving everything to enlarging the Lord. And that's that's in the uh, parallelism in that first verse. You'll notice it says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and then my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Now, spirit and soul are really the same way. It's a poetic way of doubling and intensifying the fact that everything that's in her, the eye of her, is enlarging the Lord. My total self... All that I am magnifies the Lord, joyously magnifies the Lord. Now that is very significant because you go on 30-some years later when Jesus has grown to manhood, he's in his ministry, and he talks about the kind of people that the Father is seeking. Turn to the fourth chapter of John, the fourth chapter, verses 23 and 24. Jesus says, Yet a time is coming... It has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Notice it's a small s. That's in like in the human spirit and in truth. For they're the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit is the same as soul. I mean, it's the idea. In other words, you are to have Everything engaged in worshiping God. When you really worship God as you ought to worship God, it's in the truth of what the Scripture says, and it's with all your being involved. That's what she's doing. My soul praises the Lord. My soul makes big the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. All of me is involved in worshiping Him. Now there is a Christmas heart. Everything involved in worshiping Him. That is the kind of heart to which God seeks. And this Christmas, what ought to be happening is that we ought to be enlarged in our spirits so that everything is devoted to Him in magnifying the Lord. And so she set the standard. If you want to know what the standard is, it's right here. My soul enlarges the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, all of me in Him. Now that is 
What's happening inside, that is how she feels, so to speak. That's what's taking place. And then she gives very personal reasons for the holy uh, magnifying of the Lord. She sings the three divine perfections in verses 49 and 50. They are His might, His holiness, and His mercy. Might, holiness, and mercy. Hear them in these words. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. She had experienced His mighty power when she was overshadowed by the Spirit, and she conceived prophetically. The one that she carried in the womb, according to Isaiah 9-6, is mighty God. That's what's in her womb. So her confession here of the Mighty One is an anticipation of the gospel principle that there is great power in the gospel, that what is impossible with men is possible with God. He has done mighty things. Next, she was the first to know the Son of God that she bore was the Holy One because of what Gabriel had said. And so she says here in her song, Holy is His Name. Her experience of conception, the experience of life within her, reacquainted her with the holiness of God, even as the experience of new life within us does the same. And then the final, finally, God's mercy. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. It goes on and on and on. John Donne, preaching in St. Paul's on Christmas, what, 300 and some years ago, uh, said this about His mercy. God's mercy hath no relation to time, no limitation in time. Whom God loves, He loves to the end, and not only to their end, to their death, but to His end, that is, to God's end. And God's end is that He might love them still. He says it goes on and on and on and on in mercy. So she celebrates those divine perfections. Awesome power is a visit that's come to her. Transcendent holiness and mercy that never ends. Her soul is magnifying the Lord. He's come to her in her humble estate, in her need. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and He saves those who are crushed in spirit. For this we magnify Him. Mary enlarges the Lord because all generations will call her blessed. Blessed and holy are those who take part in the first resurrection. Blessed is the woman who nursed you. But Jesus says, blessed are those who hear my word and believe my word and follow. And then the power and the holiness and mercy that are all, all hers. I really believe that this Christmas, if you took away the omnipresence of Christ, the exalted Christ, and if he was confined, say, to his earthly body like he was, and he traveled around, that he would be greatly, greatly saddened as he looked for people who were worshiping him in truth and in their spirit. I'm not sure he'd find it in the great cathedrals. I know where he wouldn't find it. But may he find it in our hearts. May we make him great.
Every year here at Songtime, we put together our own Christmas card, and this year uh, we we chose this theme of the Magnificent. We try to write a hymn story for every single uh, Christmas card that we send out, and usually it revolves around a a Christmas hymn or a carol. And although the Magnificent is not a typical carol or Christmas hymn that we sing on a regular basis, it still it may not be in your hymn book but it definitely is in your Bible. And this year, our editor, uh, Micah Lovell, wrote an excellent article on this hymn story and the story of the Magnificent. Um, And you can get a copy of that if you haven't already received one of our Christmas cards by giving us a call, 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. We'd be happy to send you a Christmas card. In fact, we'd love to have you a part of the many voices for that one message and to encourage you on a regular basis. So sign up for our mailing list. We send out a publication every month uh, designed and geared towards encouraging you in your faith. The story of the Magnificent, this Song of Mary, gives us a great insight into who Mary is. I know that there's a lot of mystery around this, and there's even those who have revered Mary as something greater than just a, a another human being, which certainly she was favored amongst God. God chose her for this reason. But we can find out some very important details in this story, especially when we look at uh, the announcement that Gabriel gave to Mary that she was going to give birth to the Son of God, and said that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her. Why did the Holy Spirit have to overshadow Mary? Uh, Well, because Mary was a sinner. Uh, Jesus needed to be born without sin, without blemish, and without any fault. And so the Holy Spirit worked a miracle in Mary's life so that she would conceive and bear the Son of God. We also see that here in the Song of Mary, as she expresses that this one that would be born would not only be the Savior of the world, but would be her Savior as well. Because even Mary needed salvation, just like you and just like me. We all fall short of the glory of God, but the beauty of the gospel is that Christ loved us, he died in our place, and he rose from the grave so that we can have salvation from our sins, and we can be given a righteousness that we could not possess on our own. So, was Mary holy? Absolutely. But was Mary holy in her own righteousness? Absolutely not. Mary was holy because Christ made her so. And the same thing applies to you and to me. An excellent message from Kent Hughes today and a message that I hope encourages you to know and go deeper in the gospel narrative. That's our vision and mission every day here on the Songtime broadcast to convey the gospel clearly, articulate it beautifully so that you will hide that gospel in your heart and share it with those around you. Another way that you can be a part of the many voices for that one message is to give back to the Songtime ministry. If you've been blessed by the work of what we're doing here, could I encourage you to remember us in your end of the year giving? I know it's been hard. This has been a rough year for everyone, us included. And I know that the next year is still very unclear as to what we should expect. But I can tell you this, and I hope that this encourages you, that that God has blessed us in so many ways. We're, we're approaching 60 years of ministry. 
And the only way that we've been able to stay on the air is because of your love, your prayers, and your support. We are 100% supported by our listeners. There's no other form of income here at Songtime. We are dependent upon each and every one of you. And if you've been blessed, maybe you don't have a lot to give, but what you do have to give is a reminder to us that you're listening, that you care, that you love us, that you've been blessed. So whether it's a dollar or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, send your support to Songtime and let us know that you are encouraged and you want to continue to hear the ministry of Songtime in the years ahead. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, where you can make a safe and secure donation online. You can always follow us on our social media pages as well. But don't forget, as we continue in this Christmas season, to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. And on behalf of our our whole staff here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't grow in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Luke 2:14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased.